Hey, this is Olympic champion Scott Hamilton, the real Scott Hamilton, reminding you to listen to the other Scott Hamilton show every day right here on ESPN Charleston because he's nearly as smart as the real Scott Hamilton, just not as good looking. I haven't even gotten into the conspiracy part of all this. Now, there are two conspiracy theories circulating out there. One is this, that the ACC, via ACC officials, are protecting Clemson. Remember, Clemson, the ACC's lone hope. I'm going to say that. Lone hope to get into the college football playoff, and the ACC needs that CFP money more than ever as the gap continues to wide between it and some of its Power 5 brethren. Now, the other side of this coin A conspiracy that there are forces, uh, other leagues, specifically a certain network that pulls the strings of a certain Power 5 league, starting a campaign to marginalize Clemson's resume. I'm thinking about Joel Klatt of Fox and just sending out this tweet and that tweet. Here's a tweet from Joel Klatt of Fox Sports. Does anyone think Clemson could actually win either division in the SEC or the Big Ten East? You'd think they would finish better than third in the SEC East or Big Ten East. I don't either. You can tell we're getting to that point where we're going to get the CFP rankings, where people are going to start jockeying for position, and we start getting all these campaigns. It's almost like election season in college football. Guys are posturing. Teams are posturing. I love it. Britt Freelander covers all things ACC for Saturday Road. He's joining us now. Brett, welcome back. How are you? First of all, <laughs> conspiracy, conspiracy theories are just that. Um, my theory is that ACC officials are incompetent and have been for a very long time. And, you know, listen, they're going to, they are going, and, and not just ACC officials, but all officials are going to be influenced by home crowds. It's why Duke always got the calls in basketball, Coach K. You know, just, just stop on that. Number two, Joel Klatt, all that clickbait. Here's the bottom line. Tuesday, a week from today, those rankings are going to come out, and everybody is going to fly off the handle. Twitter is going to be an absolute bleep show, okay? But if Clemson runs the table, and there's a really good chance that they are, because right now I see the only two games that they have a prayer, maybe three, a prayer of losing, would be Notre Dame at Notre Dame, and the Irish is not what it used to be. Um, South Carolina, but they're playing that game in Clemson, and the Gamecocks are better, but not there yet. And an ACC championship game against North Carolina in which they just can't stop Drake May. But if Clemson goes 13-0 and and wins the ACC championship, you can write it down, you can chisel it in stone. They are going to be in the playoff and maybe even the third seed, no matter what happens anywhere else, because the committee is not going to have the cojones to leave out an undefeated Power 5 conference champion, period. I, I'm with you. Look, no, I'm with you. has to be undefeated. No one and, loss, Clemson. And oh, by the way, Clemson would lose by double digits to any of those three t- teams in the, in, in the SEC. That's a fact. But it's also a fact that they're going to be in the playoffs if they run the table. I, I like your argument, and I'm, I, I support your argument so long. I think the, the, the key word is undefeated. 
Got to be undefeated. Yeah. They're not going to. They're not going to bypass an undefeated Power Five champion, given the structure of everything in 2022. Uh, I think Oregon's goose is cooked. I don't see Oregon getting in any way, shape, or form. I don't think that the playoff selection committee can overlook that opening loss, that blowout nope. to Georgia. I think the optics of it are just too much to get past. Now, uh, I guess the bigger question then, Brett. Which conference will have two teams in? It seems almost like an inevitability unless TCU really just continues to roll. No, it's going to be the SEC, only because of the the, the volume of top-quality teams that they have. Um, and to be honest with you, I think Michigan's a fraud. Look, look at Michigan's schedule, all right? And I think they're going to get hammered by Ohio State. And, and if they get blown out by Ohio State, there's absolutely zero chance that they're getting in the playoff You know, a week after that happens. You know, if that happens in week five, you've got a little time to kind of refresh the memory and to kind of suppress that, that you know, that, that image of getting beat. But, you know, if, if you're going to do it the week before the, uh, the, the, uh, the final poll comes out and selections are made, uh, that's just a, a, a deal breaker. So I, I think it's the SEC. And listen, there is a real possibility that they all end up 11 or 12 and 1 or 13 and 1 or whatever it is. Uh, because if 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 Georgia beats Tennessee, and then Alabama beats well, regardless of who wins that Georgia Tennessee game, if the winner of that game then loses to Alabama in the in the SEC championship game, now they've all got one loss, and the transitive prop you know uh, uh, property is <laughs> that they've all beaten one another. So uh, I I just can't imagine that 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 the SEC will not get at least two. See, I, I rarely disagree with you. I'm going to disagree with you on this. I do not think Michigan is a fraud. I, I If you look at Ohio State's resume and you look at Michigan's resume, I would say Michigan's is by far sturdier. Now, they're not putting up quite as many points as Ohio State, but I think the quality of the opponent up until now would make me think that Michigan is the better team. Uh, find me a quality victory on Ohio State's resume. Find me one. Well, they, so I just saw a stat yesterday where Ohio State has zero wins over teams currently in the, uh, in the AP Top 25, okay? I think Michigan has one. Um, Clemson has three. Yeah. So let's downplay Clemson all you like. But, I mean, they have got more wins over teams currently in the poll than anybody in the country right now. That's uh, it's something you can't overlook. We're joined by Brett Friedlander of Saturday Road. Follow him on Twitter, at BFriedACC. Brett, give me your take on what happened on Saturday, the uh, quarterback swap out. I, I don't think it's permanent, but the question I asked yesterday was this. How is Dabo handling it the day after or immediately after the game if it was following a loss? What would be his tone then? Well, if it was a loss, all bets would be off because I think that now you're not playing for the, the, the playoff. I, I, I can't see a one-loss one Clemson getting into the playoff over a third SEC team Okay, with one loss. But um, it, it, as it is now, it was basically like, I think he had it best yesterday. He was talking about how you've got an ace pitcher who doesn't have it that day. He's getting hammered. You take him out, put the bullpen in, and you come back with him again next start and hope he's got it back again. The concern I have is that for all the praise that DJ Uyagale has, has had, and rightly so this season, that was, was that a return to the norm? I mean, was did he just put together – uh, some really good games, and now basically we see what we saw last year, and that's who he really is. I think the next game here is going to be very, very telling. Uh, and and I guarantee you, 
that Dabo won't wait that long to pull the trigger if he feels like he needs to make a change again. So there's that. But I think moving forward, DJU is still the guy. And um, if Cade Klubnik was, was ready, and if he was really ready, I think the play calling when he was in the game on Saturday would have been different. He only threw two passes. And, and he came in and, and, and drove them to touchdowns because of the running game. Um, he gave them that spark, which, you know, it's, again, that's, that's the whole pitching change thing. But I don't know if they're ready to hand him the keys to the car and say, take us there. Because otherwise, you would have seen him throwing the ball around a lot. And I thought the play calling said to me that they still don't have a lot of confidence in him. Well, they also had the benefit of a, uh, of a couple of Syracuse penalties. So, you know, that, that kind of helped. Yeah, Kate. they did. What, what yeah, the, they did. The, the one, but you know what? Here's the thing. The one out of bounds, the hit out of bounds was legit. All right. I mean, w- the one that I've got, uh, the one that I've got issue with is the one that they didn't call when Garrett Schrader didn't just go out of bounds and get hit. He got out of, he went out of bounds and got knocked down and there was no flag there. That's the one I have issue with. I, I don't have the issue with the roughing, you know, out of bounds that, that extended that drive. Joined by Brett Freelander, Saturday Road. Follow him on Twitter, at BFreedACC. Brett, I think that has a lot to do with the perception of Clemson. People attacking Clemson's uh, playoff resume because of what happened on Saturday. And it's not that they beat a ranked team, a team that I think both you and I were maybe undervaluing. Syracuse is much better than I anticipated. Their, Their ranking is legitimate. But I think it's the lingering stickiness of last year. We saw a three-loss Clemson team. We saw a quarterback who was supposed to be the chain in these generational quarterbacks suiting up for the Clemson Tigers, and he goes out and he throws more interceptions than touchdowns. When that guy reared his head again on Saturday, people automatically were a little gun-shy, and they're saying, oh, nope, that's who he really is. That's who he really is. What happened in Notre Dame two years ago was was a mirage. Yeah, well, he also had Travis Etienne, who he would throw those little swing passes to, and, and Etienne would turn them into 30-yard gains. So that, that didn't hurt either. Uh, but here's, here's the thing. Uh, again, th- th- those concerns are valid, and, and I think that is definitely a play here. But the bottom line is, as long as they keep winning, it's going to be settled on the field. It doesn't really matter what you know, Joe Klatt has to say, what the polls have to say. Uh, it, it's going to get settled on the field as long as they keep winning. And by the way, you know, you can say all you like about, about the penalties, but I put a lot of what happened on Saturday on Dino Babers because they had a great game plan, and they were really they, – they had Clemson back on their heels. And, you know, Clemson's defense did buckle up in the second half, but I thought that, that, that there was a point in the third quarter where Dino stopped playing to win. He stopped just really doing what was working and started playing not to lose. And, and I think, you know, the, the, the designed runs by Schrader, uh, Clemson could not stop him. And then when they, you know, he was having success, uh, you know, he, his big guys in the downfield were getting open. And so when they stopped running him and they just started kind of getting very conservative and, and changing around what they were doing, trying not to make mistakes, uh, I think that that changed everything and, and left the door open for Clemson to win that game. Because all it would have taken at that point was one more touchdown you get a 17-point lead, and you're home free. And, and I, think that, uh, I, I think that they took their foot off the accelerator. It, imagine this. This is hard to believe. Syracuse produced four turnovers, had a defensive touchdown, and limited Clemson to 5 of 15 on third down and still lost the game. Yeah, yeah. That is and, shocking. And look at the offensive totals from the first half to the second. They, 
They just didn't take advantage of it. And again, Clemson's defense was definitely better in the second half. Um, and I thought that first that first series where they were pinned back and and they ended up having to, have, having to punt from their end zone. I think that spooked um, the the the, uh, the Syracuse staff. And at that point, they didn't want to do anything crazy. And and they ended up they started playing not to lose, and, and it cost them. Brett, just a couple more minutes, please, and let's shift gears a bit. Uh, we're now into the second half of the regular season, and you're a purveyor of all things in the Atlantic Coast Conference. What's been the uh, the most obvious narrative that you've kept your eye on from the start of the season to now? What's been the biggest occurrence or maybe a theme that you've noticed? Well, my, my theme is that I wish the ACC would have decided to do away with divisions this year instead of waiting till next year because I think all of us would love to see a rematch of that Clemson-Wake Forest game in, the, in Charlotte on December 7th um, because that by far has been the best game of the year. Now, if Carolina is able to, to get there, uh, we might be able to see something very similar. But I'm still not sold on the Tar Heels. Uh, they may be three and zero in the ACC, six and one overall, with a um, uh, a two game lead over everybody. But their wins have been by one possession or less, uh, and you know it's it, they're they're you know uh, a, the 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 width of a credit card away from losing to Duke. That's how how much grass there was between Antoine Green's um, foot and the and the end line and, on the winning touchdown. So they could they could definitely lose to, to Pittsburgh on Saturday, and that division could get, get closer. But my, my thing is I really wish that we could see uh, the two best teams in the Atlantic play again because the Atlantic is by far, to me, the better of the two divisions. Well, and let's go full circle and wrap this up, Brad. I opened up the show by saying that Clemson's win over Wake Forest in Winston-Salem was the second-best victory of any team in the country this year behind Tennessee's victory over Alabama. You agree, disagree? I think so too. Yes, because it it basically decided the Atlantic Division. Because there's a really good chance Wake Forest runs the table, goes eleven and one, and sits at home. And you know, a team with a a lesser record will be playing for the championship. And not only that, but it's a it's a playoff game basically. Because like we said, if you're a, a, an undefeated ACC champion, you're getting in the playoff. I mean, it doesn't matter what else happens. Uh, and so it was the difference between Clemson and Wake Forest being in that position. In, a, in an expanded world with that 12-team playoff already here, where would Wake Forest land? Around a six seed, seven seed? I would say maybe the eight seed or so because it's still a little Wake Forest and you've got a, a perception and a narrative that you've got to deal with. But uh, I think that they would definitely be in. See, yeah, but here's the thing, though. The powers that be, I have to think they would do their best to avoid having a home game for Wake Forest. Uh Yes, absolutely, because number one, even if they filled it up, it's a small stadium. Mm -hmm. So, see, this is the kind of thought-provoking conversations we have here, Brett. This is, <laughs> he's Brett Friedlander of Saturday Road. Follow him on Twitter at BeFreedACC. Brett, what are you working on today? I am working on NC State and coming off the, uh, the, the bye week and how they've tweaked their offense to suit Jack Chambers, or are they going to elevate the freshman M.J. Morris and have him get you know, the future started now because they got to do something. They haven't scored a touchdown since Devin Leary went out and, and their season is in grave danger right now. So I'm going to uh, uh, look at and see what, uh, what they can do and what they're going to do. Tell us about Jack Chambers, Charleston Southern transfer. How much eligibility does he have left? And what does the Jack Chambers offense look like? What does it look like with the playbook altered to his skills? 
he's got he's got one year of eligibility left. He's he's basically bet on himself, and uh, you know he's he's a guy who's a dual threat. We haven't seen the passing elements of that because uh, you know the coaching staff doesn't appear to have the the, uh, the the confidence to let him throw the ball downfield. But maybe we see that this week. He's Brett Friedlander. Follow him on Twitter at BFreedACC. You're the best, B. Appreciate you, bub. Any- <laughs> it's Brett Friedlander of uh, Saturday Road. Join us on the Say Tama Hotline. Yeah, he agrees. Clemson's win over Wake Forest, the second-best win up to this point in the season for any team in college football. Of course, Alabama-Tennessee. Tennessee's win over the Crimson Tide. Absolute classic. But what happened in Winston-Salem? That double overtime, 51-45 game, it was also one for the ages. It's just the perception is different given how uh, historically inept the home team has been in that series. Talking about Wake Forest. It's the Scott Hamilton Show on Tuesday. 